Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Sarah Abbott is on Bitter Boulevard in Las Vegas. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in New York. Some news and notes before a busy podcast today. We're going to be talking with Jeff Hassan, with Jessica Mendoza, with Paul Andikides. Yesterday, longtime national star Ryan Zimmerman announced his retirement, ending a decorated career in which he became the franchise leader in many major categories and boosted the team to its only World Series championship in 2019. Wishing best to Ryan and his family, he has served this game well. The trial that determined whether or not former Angels employee Eric Kay was responsible for the death of Tyler Skaggs turned into a larger glimpse into brazen drug use in the Los Angeles Angels clubhouse. His four former players testified Tuesday about their own opioid histories, including pitcher Matt Harvey. And an update on baseball's labor situation. Yep, spring training should be starting right now, and the two sides aren't even close. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, for one, uh, because we use that sound so often, I put it officially from my computer onto my soundboard. So we can just play it all the time. That's fun. Um, yep. A couple things to promote. Uh, you should listen to Swaggoo and Perk, hosted by Marcus Spears and Kendrick Perkins. That comes out every Tuesday this week. The guys discuss the culture of the Nets and why James Harden wanted out, how Aaron Donald dominated when it mattered most, why they're happy for Odell Beckham Jr., as well as their thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show. That is Swaggoo and Perk. You can follow that show wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can watch the show on YouTube, which is an absolute delight. And you should be watching NBA Today at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app, or listen to the show as a podcast. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jeff Passon covers baseball for ESPN. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Buster. How are you? Uh, it would be better if we had something, some camp to be in, some story to be writing about, about some rookie pitcher you know, preparing to throw live batting practice or something like that. But that's not where we are. We'll get to labor situation in a second. Uh, I wanted to get your reaction to what we got out of Eric Kay's trial yesterday. Uh, our colleague TJ Quinn doing a great job updating. Uh, and so yesterday you have tweet after tweet after tweet of information uh, coming from Matt Harvey, coming from that trial about uh, drug use in baseball. Uh, and I must say about Matt Harvey uh, generally, it, it, none of what he said, uh, you know, acknowledging cocaine use was necessarily a surprise based on the concerns I heard within the Mets organization when he was there. It did for me cement him like Dwight Gooden as one of the, you know, tales in baseball of, of geez, what could have been. The whole day to me was just really sad from Matt Harvey's testimony to Carly Skaggs, Tyler Skaggs's widow, uh, having to discuss how she didn't realize that he had a problem with pain pills. And, uh, you know, the whole thing being laid bare out there for the world to see. I, I think we can we can talk about how big of a problem buster this is in baseball, but we can't do so without talking about how big of a problem it is in America, too. Uh, there's a reason that it's called the opioid epidemic. We, we don't attach that word to, to small problems. And the fact that we have drugs that are as addictive as they are, were as readily available as they were upon their creation and were sold to the public as being non-addictive is honestly one of the great tragedies of modern America. And the fact that this was unleashed and found its way to the corners of Major League Baseball is no surprise because this is a sport where people are in pain and they're in pain because their jobs require incredible feats of strength that put uh, incredible amounts of strain and stress on their bodies. And I think pitchers are at the top of that list. I've always believed that, um, you know, just based on conversations they've had with, you know, pitchers um, during their careers, after their careers, you know, you hear stories about guys who, uh, you know, who deal with this uh, issue all the time because they're doing an unnatural act. You know more about that than anybody. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Um, it's more, or at least the conversation has been more about anti-inflammatories, right? Like this guy got a Toradol shot. He needs to get loaded up in order to go out there. It's essentially just masking the pain. But with the, the prevalence of Toradol in baseball, especially among pitchers and their arms toward the end of the season, it, it was not an unreasonable assumption to think that there would be some, maybe a large number, uh, who have been using opioids as well. And uh, you look, Buster, back in 2019, I think it was December, uh, the big headline of the day was Major League Baseball stops testing for marijuana. Remember, that was a trade with the Players Association so that they could test for opioids. And 
I don't know the specifics or details of that plan, what the testing does, how many people are in the program because they've tested positive illicitly. Uh, but clearly, uh, th this is an issue that came to the forefront because of a tragedy. And that's the worst part of the whole thing, that Tyler Skaggs did not have to die. And unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. And, you know, having issues, pain issues, having physical issues uh, for pitchers, that's just inherent in the sport. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed this through the years I have, how rare it is that you see a former pitcher who throws batting practice uh, in retirement. Yeah. You, know, you go up, I mean, Bud Black might be the only one that I can, Tommy Lasorda used to, he was a former pitcher when he was manager of the Dodgers, he would throw batting practice, but they don't because their arms are shot. And that's just not something where they're not in use. These guys are dealing with pain. Yeah. And I, you know, I wish there were a better solution for this. I wish that baseball um, was a, a sport that did not push and push one segment of players. I just, you know, I think about other sports. So I think about the NFL. Um, I mean, I cannot fathom how many players from the NFL uh, become addicted to, to opioids just because the, the brutality they are putting their bodies through on a weekly basis and, and the long-term repercussions of it. I mean, we've seen it through CTE and, and the, the scourge that is on the sport. Um, but for the people whose pain is, is, just physical and who are just trying to get through the day um it's it's a national crisis and it's something that uh i i can only hope that baseball gets under control and that this is a wake-up call for the players in the sport what happened to tyler skaggs is not an anomaly we've seen it happen throughout the country uh for the last 15 years and uh, seeing it happen, seeing it come as close as it did when he passed away. Um, I, I think certainly within the Angels organization, uh, it woke up a lot of people. All right. Uh, give us an update on the labor situation. <laughs> um, what can I say to quote Dave Chappelle that hasn't been said about Afghanistan, it's bombed out and depleted. Um, that's, that's what it feels like right now. It feels like uh, we are in one of those bad dreams where we're falling. And the instinct buster when you are in a bad dream where you're falling is to open your eyes, wake up, and get the hell out of that horrible place to which you are falling. Except this is an infinite cavern into which we are fading and the sport is fading right now. And there is no seeming rescue line coming. There is no, I can just open my eyes and wake up from it. Um, you know, I, I wrote months ago, if there hasn't been progress made by February 1st, you should start being worried. There was no progress made by February 1st. And now we are 15 days after that. We are a day after the Rays and I believe Orioles uh, previously announced pitchers and catchers report date. Um, we are 12 days away from Major League Baseball's self-imposed deadline to start the regular season on time. 
And we still don't have a damn meeting on the books. Now, I assume that's going to happen either today or tomorrow. Um, and, and I'm heartened, Buster, by the fact that smart people and people who have done this before with whom I speak believe that there's a deal that can come together in a matter of 48 to 72 hours if the proper parameters uh, are reached. I just don't know how they're going to get there. And, and I don't know how they're going to get there because what it's going to take is a big move. I think once there's a big move from one of the sides, not this little incremental inch by inch, let's just try and dig in as much as we can. Uh, you know, when that goes away and when either Major League Baseball or the Players Association makes that big move, and I think that right now, the players are looking at it like it's incumbent on the league and the league is looking at it like it's incumbent on the players and the league believes that the players haven't given enough the players believe that the league hasn't given enough and they're talking past each other. And th this reminds me not as much buster of 1994 as it does 1981. If you go back it, now, it's a little different because it was a single issue strike in that issue was that there were no compensatory picks attached to free agency and that, you know, the, the Cincinnati Reds, for example, Bob House and the, the GM at the time said, this is an outrage. I built the big red machine and Don Gullett went to the Yankees and Pete Rose went to the Phillies and I'm losing all my great players and we didn't get squat for it. Uh, that that single issue carried the day, but the rhetoric is so similar. And, and the things that people are saying are so similar. And when Rob Manfred in his last press conference said, I haven't changed since 1998, I, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and believe that what he was trying to say was, Hey, I've made a bunch of deals in the past and uh, I, I did it with Michael Weiner, and I did it with Don Fear and I did it with Tony Clark and uh, there, there's change at the union now and it's on them. But if you look back at the tack and the tactics from Major League Baseball, they are eerily reminiscent to the stuff we saw in the heyday of baseball's labor wars when we saw eight work stoppages in a 20 year span. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you. It is why I think that you, you laid out that there needs to be a big move. Um, and I think that needs to come from the owners because they're the ones who gained so much financial ground in 2016. Yep. They have the flexibility to do that. I would yep. say on the player side is that they need to stay engaged. Um, the shock the two sides, uh, it's been absolutely shocking to me over the last six or seven years that there's just not more engagement. <laughs> it's yeah, the, there's not because the, the uh, listen, the, the tenor and tone of the conversations inside the bargaining room, uh, it, it's, it's not great. You know? And by the way, it's not a bargaining room, right? Yeah, I, yeah. It's on a Zoom call. 
Well, they have now granted the most of the sessions since the lockout started have been in person, but they've been small group sessions. It hasn't been like you're bringing in a cadre of players and a cadre of owners and you're putting everyone in the room. And if Bruce Meyer on the player side and Dan Halem on the league side disagree on something, you can have a sidebar with other guys. You can have back channeling those relationships buster dead. They, they just don't exist. And I, I think that is a feature, not a bug. I, I think that the league has put together such a formidable group of labor relations professionals that they've turned this entire thing into a technocratic exercise where you've got Dan Halem, Rob Manfred, Morgan Sword, and Pat Houlihan. That's the brain trust on the league side for people who have been at the commissioner's office for a long time now know the basic agreement like the back of their hand and understand what levers do certain things like the you know the the people inside major league baseball now and in the reason that we've gotten to the place we've gotten in the sport with efficiency being uh, of paramount importance um, is because uh, this ideology has been spread throughout it that not only do they know, but they know better than anyone else how to get this thing done. And the reality is, Buster, the way that the labor relations world has turned on its head since the strike in 1994 backs that thing up. Like up until and through 1995, this was the player's world and the owners were just living in it. And even though, oddly, players have, I think, gotten a, a much greater degree, especially in the NBA, uh, of of pulling the the being the puppeteer of, of pulling the strings uh, with how the sport works, the, the player empowerment movement has not led to gains on the player side in major league baseball in terms of labor relations. They have lost ground. They are paid less than they were four years ago. And it's gone down every year since they don't have any sort of guaranteed cut of gambling money uh, of, of ancillary monies that are coming in from ballpark village in St. Louis from the battery in Atlanta um, from the crypto deals that baseball is doing. Um, it all speaks to the idea that some with whom you've spoken, I'm sure, believe that a capped fixed system that has a guaranteed split of revenue would be better for the players. Now, the players ain't there yet, and I'm not sure that they're ever going to be. But there is an argument to be made that when you have what the uh, what the players view as bad actors on one side, then you too need to get technocratic and and argue these minute details of a system that can't be leveraged to screw you because that's what's happened in baseball. The owners have put themselves in a position where they have cut off spending in so many areas of the sport, especially on the amateur side, that when they know what they know now about the age curve and about efficiency in the game and about using these little arcane rules to gain advantages, they've said, you know what? Partnership, schmartnership, we're going to take advantage of them and you guys just do a better job next time at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's brutal. <laughs> guys, guys, you, like you should see Buster's face right now. He's just like, I, it reminds me. Um, and I promise this is a compliment because I love her more than anyone in the world. Uh, it reminds me of my dog when she's sad. She just sits there and goes, huh, and just sighs. And all you can do, Buster, at this point, you have been reduced to a human sigh. It's 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 absolutely maddening. It's mind boggling. It's shocking that they have gotten these two, two, you know, two sides. Uh, I, I'm uh, it's astonishing. So anyway, and I and here's the thing. I, I think you'd agree with me on this is that at this point, even if they agree to a deal, let's say in two weeks, they, let's say the owners do make that big move and they shake hands on a deal and they're both holding their nose as they do it. The uh, the overall view of baseball as a product will not be addressed and it will still be That's, fragile yeah. and the relationship yeah. will be completely unproductive in terms yeah, of that's a, you know, it's funny. I, I was talking with someone yesterday who brought up that exact point for all the financial consternation that there is right now. He said, um, we're missing the forest for the trees, which yep. is that right now the, the product sucks. And, uh, the, the frustrating part is that, uh, Shohei Otani doesn't suck. Fernando Tatis doesn't suck. Ronald Acuna doesn't suck. Vladimir Guerrero doesn't suck. Juan Soto doesn't suck. Uh, any number of incredible players, veterans who have been around, uh, from Mike Trout and beyond, they don't suck, but, uh, the game drags, uh, the game is lacking action and the game needs addressing. And this would have been a wonderful time for the two sides to get together and say, our game is in peril, not because of the financial elements, but, uh, boy, it could sure use a refresh on the playing side. Well, and, and I hope that that's where the conversation turns after the next labor agreement happens, whenever that happens. All right, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Buster. Jessica Mendoza is a baseball analyst for ESPN, but on Sunday, she was at the Super Bowl. She's texting pictures from the Super Bowl, texting video from the Super Bowl. Jess, you and uh, your husband, Adam, had a great time there. Oh, my gosh. Well, it was my first Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I think like just working in a business where a lot of the bigger events you're usually working, (laughs) it was really cool to attend my very first Super Bowl and just as a fan and be there without a team that I was rooting for. We're a big Packer family, as you know, um, Mr. Viking. Sad. Very sad, very sad yeah. state of affairs. But what, anyway, you were saying. Yeah, no, so it was cool just to be there, you know, as a fan of the game. It was a great game, you know, and anyone who loves sports um, and also grew up in the 90s with the hip-hop era and got to see the halftime show with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem. Mary J. Blige was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was just cool to attend um, such a huge event. And my hometown is L.A. So it was fun just to see the streets afterwards. Um, everyone was packed in them celebrating and going crazy. It was fun. And yet at the Super Bowl, you ran into a pretty prominent baseball player. Yeah, it was funny because, I mean, obviously you get that many tens and thousands, of, hundreds of thousands of people. And I ran right into Kyle Schwarber and he was all decked out with his buddies in Bengals gear. And um, because we he were grew talking. up in Ohio. He was born and yeah. raised in Ohio. Born and raised in Ohio. Actually, his house um, is going to have his first child here. He was telling me in a couple of weeks. So his wife told him very distinctly, this is your last trip. So go have that. <laughs> go be a Bengals fan. But he was saying, you know, he was talking about just this whole road to getting there and the Super Bowl. And he's like, I now know how Cubs fans felt back in 2016, you know, over two dec- decades, not having 
been able to be there, never winning, like just the, the underdog nature of what the Cincinnati Bengals were. And obviously, no, they ended up not winning that game, but catching him pregame, big grin across his face and just seeing his fandom, you know, as a just a huge Bengals fan was really cool. Did you guys talk at all about what's going on in baseball? The fact that, I mean, he's at the Super Bowl and he would have been able to go even if the, you know, spring training was starting on time. But the, as you and I talked, it, we, we have no feel for when this thing is going to start. Yeah, he mentioned it's like the three biggest things of his life all happening at once with having his first child. They just finished their house back in Ohio um, moved in December. So finishing, you know, getting basically your first home and he's like, and, you know, trying to find a job. <laughs> so he was, you know, kind of laughing, like, you know, it's that's because he's a free agent. He's among the free agents looking for jobs after baseball resumes. Exactly. So, you know, to have this kind of halt in his life, but you know, like the three major things that you do in life, buying your first home, having your first child, and then trying to get a job. And he said he was, you know, kind of in the midst of all three of those. So it was, I mean, he was making a joke, but yeah, we, we talked a bit about, you know, just kind of, you know, when season and how really nobody knows. And, you know, and he, he seems to be just enjoying though, this time that he's got and um, being able to welcome, hopefully, cause he was saying, watch, we're going to return to spring training right when my, my first, you know, child is born and I'm going to have to like leave as soon as we get there to go, to go be a dad for the first time. Jess, you know, what's shocking to me about where we are and look, you know, you can argue on, on, on this uh, part of the negotiations, that part of the negotiation is the fact that they're not talking. And it was you and I talk uh, on Tuesday evening, we're taping on Tuesday evening. Um, we don't know when they're actually going to have a negotiating session again, the last was on Saturday, and that part of this is in keeping with what's gone on between the two sides the last six, seven years. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it from either side. I'm like, find a way, get into the room, put stuff out there. Well, and how quickly, you know, they leave. Like, I mean, it's Saturday. You have this much anticipated meeting after the press conference with Rob Manfred on Thursday and all the statements from Aaron Judge leading up to Saturday. And you just kind of felt like, okay, something. I didn't expect a deal to be done, but just something more significant than what we'd seen. And the fact that it lasted less than an hour, the players union um, got up and left. And since then it's been three days and we still have yet to have a response or even just a, Hey, let's meet and talk about this again on X day, which means in my mind, we're probably the players union is probably not even respond till next week. And now, I mean, here we are like clock wow. has been ticking, but now we're really, how is this season going to happen on time? Well, and, and a part of this too, I don't get why it's all zoom. Why are we doing this on like everyone's doing this stuff on Zoom? Get into a room, which, you know, because I've heard so many stories through the years of, you know, uh, Gene Orza, uh, uh, you know, MLB's negotiator. You know, they have a contentious uh, two hour meeting and then they take a break and they, they get coffee and over coffee. They're just chatting and, and ideas spring up as opposed to Zoom in different parts, you know, in different areas. I, I just don't think it's a good strategy to try to get something done. I love that point. It's so true. I and mean, we all know that, right? Like it's one of those things that Zoom is something we've all gotten used to. And it's like, oh yeah, now we can do this. We can do things virtually. But the thing is, is the moment you get back in person for anything, I mean, list it, name it, like without a doubt. As soon Our as meetings with managers. 
Yes. I mean, we went Zoom the in 2020 and then 2021, we actually got to talk to managers and people in person a little bit at least. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you forget what you and I think that's that's what Zoom's done is we kind of get used to it because it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine until you get back in person. And I think for the players union the, and MLB for them to all be able to get together in a room, I think they would realize in that moment, oh, my gosh, this is so much different than just the the direct business nature of what we're trying to do, but actually the real what's behind this and trying to make sure that baseball at the core of it is getting back on the field. All right. Uh, you and I have not talked on the podcast about the Yankees announcing that Rachel Balkebeck is going to manage in class. A. tell me how you heard the news. I'm guessing you might've gotten a feel for it ahead of time. Yeah, Rachel, you know, I've gotten to know over the years and she's a softball player. She played at Creighton and played in New Mexico as well. And known her a long time. Um, her resume is, is, is incredible, but, um, I know that her end goal is to be a general manager. It it, it is incredible to me, the boxes that she is continuing to check on her path. What I know she will end up being in the front office, um, coming from being a, a minor league hitting coordinator to now being the first manager, um, for a minor league team in the Yankees organization, but for all of major league baseball, the first manager at any level in professional baseball history. Um, I mean, she's someone that's bilingual. I've seen her in action, just relate to players. She went and trained in the Netherlands to understand like vision training, to be able to implement that in our game. She was a strength coach for, for part of her career. I mean, what she can bring on so many different angles is huge. Um, but the fact is, is this last year, if you just look at this last year alone, the amount of female hires within major league baseball. And what I'm proud of is the fact that they're doing well is it's not just that they're hired, but listen, napkin with the giants, Rachel Folden with the Cubs. I mean, Sarah Goodrum, I mean, you look down the list and now there's getting more and more hires because these women aren't just being hired to check that box. They're killing it with what they're doing. And I, I, I have no doubt that Rachel Balkovic will do much of the same. Uh, give me an example of what you said you, you saw her in person and uh, relating to players. Give me an example of something you saw. Well, I, so I was watching her in the cage and she was throwing batting practice and she was speaking Spanish too. And this was in the Yankees organization at spring training. So she was working. She probably had like six or seven guys rotating in and out of the cage and she's throwing batting practice. And of course, softball background, you just being able to throw, relate, like, and she was throwing different angles. So she was kind of moving around the, the net for her to be able to pitch from different angles to do different things. And then speaking Spanish to the guys. And then when she spoke and she said this, I mean, she spent a long time in the Dominican to be able to not only understand and speak Spanish, but to also really understand the background of a lot of these players that we're seeing now, especially in the minor leagues. And something that she can do is she grabs their attention in a way that I have not seen many coaches be able to do. And of course, there's so many players that, that listen to their coaches. You see them pay attention. But when she spoke up, it wasn't just the one guy in the cage. It was the six guys waiting outside the cage that were, you know, doing, messing around. And as soon as she spoke, they stopped and everybody was listening. She commanded their respect. And that's because she's taken the time to understand players that I feel like a lot of coaches don't, don't get the chance and opportunity to really not only speak the language, but go to their hometown, go to meet their families, really understand who they are and then get to the core of how they can make them better. Now you've been around a lot of coaches, uh, managers in your time as a player, as your time as a reporter, uh, being an analyst. Um, who did that moment remind you of? Cause I, if, if anybody, because I always, 
you know, so I'll see something and then I'll try to relate it to something that I've witnessed in the past. And I'm curious to see if any anything anybody jumped out. So I get a sense of how she commands, the, you know, a room. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to my like Mike Andrea, who is my Olympic coach. Um, the reason what made him like a Hall of Fame, you know, coaching a bunch of Olympians was getting to know the individual and understand everything. It's almost like a psychologist, to be honest. So you're, you're part coach, you're going in depth. Obviously the words coming out of your mouth are very much about your swing, the technology, like everything that you're trying to go over to, to make them a better hitter in this case, but then understanding who they are, what, what gets to them, what allows them to buy in because you've been, Buster around so many coaches and all these guys have their own coaches back home. <laughs> like, I mean, you're competing with so much. So how do you get them to buy in to what you're trying to tell them in that moment? And it's really just understanding who they are and how to approach them. Yeah. I think you would agree with me. I mean, a recent example of that is Alex Cora since he became, yes. I mean, I just, he's extraordinary at that about connecting with all the individual players um, from from 30,000 feet, you mentioned this wave of women coming into baseball in the last couple of years, and they're killing it. Uh, from your perspective, why do you think that's happened? You know, I think more organizations, I've gotten more phone calls just from um, GMs, from owners, from managers that are asking, hey, do you have a list of, you know, women that you would recommend? Um, I think more um, just teams want to open their minds to be able, because it, it, a lot of times you're hiring those people, you know, and it ends up being who you're connected to, who, whether it's people you went to school with, you came up through baseball with, and it ends up being, you know, that boys club. And there's so many organizations and I'm proud of the sport, to be honest, and not every organization as we know, but there's definitely a handful that is making a conscious effort of not only trying to be more diverse but being diverse to make their organization better. And, and I say that is like a difference because I think there is that, you know, misunderstanding of, okay, let's be diverse to be diverse. Let's go. And so that no one can accuse us of having only older white people, but we're going to go and hire my more minorities, whether that be women, whether that be more people of color, but to actually go and hire people that are those things, but also really good at their jobs but they're not in our inner circle. So what I've seen just from more organizations is trying to get these lists, trying to understand who are these people and checking how good are they at what levels that they've been able to do. Because ultimately, if we're going to do this, <laughs> we want to make sure that it's, it's so that more and more women after them can continue to do this. Yeah, Theo Epstein, a couple of years ago, maybe two, three years ago, he, he had a great quote, which has always stuck with me. Because, you know, Theo, he's very progressive minded and it's part of why he's so successful. And he acknowledged, he goes, you know, in the end, when I look back at my track record, I hired a lot of people who look like me. Um, and you saw, you know, the lawsuit that was uh, filed by Brian Flores, what, a couple of weeks ago now um, against the Dolphins, against the NFL. I'm sure that that also has made people in baseball open their eyes even more and ask themselves really important questions. Yeah. Well, and when you're going in to look at hiring, are you actually, because that was something that Brian Flores brought up was like, yep. you know, there's so many times it was like, I'm really not hiring you. Like, you know, it's the Rooney rule. I'm bringing you in because I'm supposed to, I'm checking the box. Well, I'm not listening to anything you have to say, but then you have, you know, an organization like the Dodgers that seemed to have a plan. It seemed like Gabe Kapler was going to be the hire when they were looking for a new manager, what, eight years ago. 
And Dave Roberts came in as, you know, a minority, someone that maybe wasn't even so much on their radar. And he blew them out of, I mean, blew everyone else out of the water. I mean, just the opportunity was there, but then they also listened and wanted to hire the best person for the job. Yeah. But it took them going outside of maybe their, their normal zone or who they were maybe already going to hire. All right, Jess, uh, enjoy your Super Bowl swag. And hopefully <laughs> I'm going to have you on the podcast soon to talk about free agent signings and trades and us getting ramped up at the start of the regular season. Yeah. So we're not, we're not talking football still and we're, we're getting all the best stuff. <laughs> well, remember college softball just started this last weekend. So for oh, all of yeah. you craving some bat and ball tune in this Sunday, ESPN, UCLA is playing Florida state. Boom. <laughs> Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Himbo, of course, is Paul Mikitis, a researcher at ESPN. And Himbo, uh, I feel the need every week to suspend the reality of what's going on in front of us, to at least keep some horizon of hope out there for us and to think about what baseball is going to be like after the this uh, next labor agreement is forged, whether that's in a week or two weeks or two months. Uh, and, and, you know, so, you know, which is why last week it was fun to talk about the possibility of picking the Blue Jays to be in the World Series, because that seems to be within the realm of possibility you know, which, te- which uh, pitchers could be in the running for the Cy Young Award, which players could be in the running for the Rookie of the Year Awards. So I want to ask you this question in that vein. Uh, tell me the teams and the players that are going to benefit the most from the universal DH, which is going to be part of baseball as we move forward. Yes, very excited about this, Buster, in this fantasy baseball world uh, that we've created for ourselves. I have three players that I think really benefit from this change and one team. The first player is Nick Castellanos, who I think, like, could otherwise be described as the worst defensive player in baseball. I mean, since he debuted Buster, not minus 93 defensive runs saved. We know like this guy should retire the glove. However, ever since he was traded to the Cubs, 
he leads the National League in extra base hits. We know it's a premium bat, and I think that contract could be massive if you can essentially double the allotment of teams that could sign him. The second player is Kyle Schwarber, who, if you reduce the minimum to 400 plate appearances, was a top 10 hitter last season as measured by OPS+. Plus. He can pass in the field, of course, but for me, if there are 30 teams that could sign him in this case, that goes a long way in, in enhancing his value. I still think that's a premium bat, even though it's been a little wishy-washy year to year. And the third is Albert Pujols. Now, you know I'm not I'm a numbers guy, right? I'm a data guy. I, I'm not moved by emotional pleas. But I've read a lot on the internet over the last couple of weeks about the possibility that Albert Pujols might be able to return to St. Louis and end his career there in a DH role. I personally would love it. And last year with the Dodgers, he was about a league average hitter, which really surprised me considering how badly he had hit with the Angels. And so those are the three players that I think stand to benefit the most from the universal DH. I've long been against this. Uh, as a Phillies fan, of course, uh, and a National League guy, but it's pretty clear to me that I'm in the minority and that baseball would benefit from doing so. Yeah, and I can't believe it, uh, it, that we have Kyle Schwarber organically coming up twice in this podcast. Just before you, uh, Jess Mendoza mm. was telling us she ran into Schwarber at the Super Bowl because he's a big Bengals fan. Huh. So now him getting more <laughs> play here. And, and about Castellanos, I just want to follow up on that. I actually was talking to some agents about this possibility the draft pick compensation is going to be eliminated. Well, guess who, which player would benefit a lot from that? Castellanos. Mm. That would be a big deal for him uh, in free agency. We'll see how that would be applied uh, after the CBA. All right, tell me which team in baseball potentially could be the 2022 version of the Rams. So the Rams, if, I don't know how closely your, your uh, listeners follow the NFL. Obviously, as a get-up producer, I am contractually obligated to love the NFL. So I'm defining <laughs> the Rams. <laughs> I'm defining the Rams as a team that is essentially a quarterback away, a piece away, a superstar away from winning a championship buster. And I have identified the Milwaukee Brewers as next year's version of the Rams. This is a team that you and I really liked in the postseason. They let us down in four playoff games, Buster. I was reminded yesterday they struck out 48 times as a team and recorded five extra base hits. Christian Yelich has not become the premium bat year over year that we expected he might. So I've identified two players that I think could be there, Matthew Stafford. The first is Matt Olson. This is an opportunity for a small market team to trade for a superstar. Olson averages 40 homers and five war per season for his career. To me, he's a top 15 or 20 player in the sport right now. And the second is Cattell Marte, who over the last three years uh, owns a 318 batting average. Last year, the, the Brewers as a team batted 233. He doesn't sacrifice power there. I mean, he has, he's, he's one of baseball's best hitters when healthy. He can play a multitude of positions. To me, if I'm a Brewers fan, well, once that lockout ends, whenever God decides it ends, those are two players I want my team to target uh, via trade because I think either of those guys could help get my team over the top. All right. What about the Bengals, which could be baseball's version of the Bengals in 2022? So the Bengals were a massive long shot. They were 80 to one to win the AFC before the season began. That was Those were the same odds as the Jets. That's how massive a long shot the, uh, the, the Bengals were. So Buster, I'm going to sell you on the Texas Rangers winning the American League. Oh I'm going to tell you gosh. why, okay? Hold your horses here, okay? I'm, I'm going to tell you why. First of all, the obvious is that with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, theoretically, if those two guys can combine to play, I don't know, close to 300 games, that should be 10 more by themselves. I mean, those are legitimate superstars that you're adding to, to a team that got nothing, nothing from those positions last year. So that's at least a good place to start. And secondly... Buster, they have reinforcements sort of coming along the way. And history, obviously, is a fairly good indicator that demonstrates that if you can perform at a high level, especially at the high level of the minor leagues, it's not 
the opportunity for that success to, to sort of bleed over into the big leagues does happen for, for a lot of organizations. And over the last two seasons, their system, they're 154 games over 500 in the minor leagues over the last two years. They got a couple of really good live arms, of course, in Jack Leiter and Cole Wynn that could make an impact. And you also, Buster, are talking about a very weakening division. Like the Astros are going to lose Carlos Correa. The Angels obviously lack depth in a big way. The Mariners sort of outperformed their run differential last year. And the A's are trading everybody. So if I'm looking for a super deep long shot, a sleeper, I'm giving you the Texas Rangers. Have I sold you, Buster, only? No. Uh, I, I <laughs> Look, I like your point about the divisional context. That's always incredibly important. But I, I would have, as you started down this path, I thought, is this how he's going to sell me on the Phillies? Because I believe in the Phillies more than I would the Rangers. What are you kidding? Well, I mean, the, the Rangers are a tough sell. They lost 102 games last year. They stay yes. on ice. But they, we know they're interested in spending. They've done. They've demonstrated that. And look, they have a reasonably deep system. They could still make more moves before the season begins, and that's a wide-open division. All right, 45 seconds, most impactful mm-hmm. prospect in 2022. I'm going to say Shane Boz. For my money, he's the best yep. pitching prospect in baseball. Kylie McDaniel had him number 15 on his list that debuted yesterday, which I read front to back. That was delightful to read. Last year, minor league hitters just stood no chance against this guy. He struck out 113 batters, Buster, and he walked 13. That was the best ratio of its kind across all affiliated baseball. So when you consider the Rays player development track record, this guy has as good a stuff as anyone they've had in their system recently. There's no obvious reason for me to believe that by the time we get to October, at least he might, he might be the best pitcher on that staff. And over the course of the last few seasons, that's been the best staff in the American league. Yep. Completely agree with you on that. Uh, and let's face it, that's the Rays way to promote these guys. Uh, he, he looks like he's going to be a high impact uh, pitcher for sure. All right. Appreciate it, Hembo. Later, man. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew is up first. Andrew writes in, baseball's easily the most beautiful game of all time, and yet you're considered good if you fail seven out of ten times. Players are constantly blowing out their upper limbs for the sport, and the professional league is actively trying to destroy the game. Not even joking. When I ask this, are all of us baseball fans masochists? Man, uh, Taylor, have you noticed that the tweets we've been getting over the last three, four weeks, they are turning dark. Yes, right? I love and it. It feels like <laughs> that they're more rhetorical points than actual questions. <laughs> yeah, you can just keep going until we actually because I. it feels like that's that uh, some of the listeners need to vent. Yeah. Bleacher therapy over here. I love it. Keep sending them in. Uh, Amy Chapman is up next at Amy R. Chapman. She tweeted us pointing to a retweet of Jeff Passan reporting on baseball, trying to cut down on the minor league rosters. And Amy says more evidence owners and their attorney Manfred, who said inaccurately owners would be better off putting money in the stock market than buying a team. Uh, this is evidence. They don't really like baseball. Plus I can't imagine that it's helping the negotiations more therapy. More therapy. You got more therapy coming. (laughs) Josh Smith at Chivalry Undead writes with Manfred speaking to how profitable ownership is. It made me wonder who are the richest owners in baseball? How does their worth compare to the team's payroll? Are the Red Sox and Yankees deep pockets from who owns them or from reinvesting profits back into the team? There's a real question. Well, Steve Cohen is the, uh, you know, he's the richest owner in baseball, the Mets owner. I think he's uh, read that he's worth about $13 billion. Um, you know, other owners worth less than him. Um, the one thing I'd say is, you know, through the years, 
most of these teams want to run their businesses as uh, you know, as to, to make profit. And there are a few exceptions in that regard. Mike Illich, the former Tigers owner, certainly one. Peter Seidler, the Padres owner now. I don't think they're, uh, you know, they're doing as well financially in terms of what they're bringing in. And I think uh, he's okay with that. But for the most part, let's face it, these guys are trying to make money. Let's go to uh, some more therapy here from uh, Reggie, who cites himself as a baseball and weather nerd at Baseball Yoda WX. Reggie writes in for two sides who say they want to get a deal done, meeting for less than an hour every time and meeting five times in 73 days tells me no one really wants a deal. Goodbye, 2022 MLB season. Brace yourself for a season of zero games. This is going down 2004-2005 NHL style. Reggie really letting it rip here. That is, that's a dour uh, prediction there. Boy, and I thought I was the one who was being, uh, you know, uh, very dark about this when uh, I remember talking with Jeff in the fall about pre- trying to predict when the, the start of the season would, would begin. And I mentioned that I thought that the beginning of the year was in jeopardy. Uh, but to lose the entire season, that would be really dark. Mm. Last one for today, Courtney Kennelly at Courtney Kennelly writes in, hey, Buster, if OK, probably when the lockout shortens the season, how will they dev- decide which games they cut from the schedule? Do I have any hope of seeing my husband's favorite Yankees play against my favorite Cardinals in St. Louis this summer? I think if I remember correctly, that the way they did it in the beginning of 95, after they lost the beginning of that season, because the, it took some time for the player strike to be resolved. They just picked up the schedule at the date at which you had resumption. I think that was August or excuse me, April 25th. So if they followed that script, then it would, uh, you know, whatever, whatever games would be on the schedule at that time. Interesting. All right. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Keep sending your uh, your therapy notes to us. And uh, please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. So before we go, Sarah, are you feeling better uh, about Tom Brady possibly retiring after hearing all those baseball fans concerned about this upcoming season? Yes. I mean, they definitely need a therapy session. They just need a minute to themselves to regroup. Um, I'm holding out hope he might come out of retirement. So, you know, you never know these days. Yeah, I think it, before we had the 60 game season 2020, Taylor, didn't we have one episode that was totally devoted to fans telling yes. us what they were thinking? Mm-hmm. I think we we might be getting close to that. Yeah, I definitely think that we've I've had a couple DMs uh, sneak in, say, hey, would, would love to share my thoughts about everything on the pod. So I think we make that happen in the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, send Taylor your D send Taylor some DMs. We'll start to get a lineup together as this thing goes on. Uh, because I, I you definitely get the sense that fans are getting more and more angry about what's going on. That's it for today. That's it for this week's. My thanks to Jess, Hembo, Jeff, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Choose provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, 
They're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.